0: Hello friends. My name is Jonathan Bryant. I am the host of the Edge of the Airy podcast. I have the privilege of serving as the chief administrator of Lincoln Charter. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight some of our amazing staff and stakeholders that are with us at Lincoln Charter and to share the college experiences of our guests in the course of our conversation. We all know that college preparation is the goal of Lincoln Charter. It's important to know that I'm a former middle school social studies teacher, so I'm always interested in getting to know others better, sharing compelling stories, learning from the past, and finding out more about the individuals that make Lincoln Charter a great school and an amazing community. So where does edge of the airy come from? You likely know that an eagle's nest is an airy, which obviously has significant meaning for our eagle nation. I intend for this podcast to give you a perspective from the Lincoln Charter community. Therefore, each episode will come to you from the edge of the area. As you likely know, Lincoln Charter is one of the oldest and largest public charter schools in North Carolina. We were founded in 1998, and we have a K-12 campus in Lincolnton and in Denver. So let's get to this episode's guest. Uh, today I am very very excited to be speaking with Mr. Paulino Albin, our ESL teacher and middle school baseball coach. Mr. Paulino Albin, welcome to Edge of the Airy.
1: Mr. Bryant, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it.
0: The pleasure is all mine, sir. Um, let's jump. Let's jump right in. And why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? What are your? I know you have a lot of interests and passions that you might want to talk about. So. Um, What do you do in your free time?
1: Yeah, so we'll take it back to where it all started.
0: Um, So born and raised
1: um, in New York City. Um, And I lived in New York City pretty much until I was about 12 years old. Um, And then we moved out to Long Island and pretty much that was where I went to. You know, the big public schools, it kind of made me who I was. That's where I started finding all of my interests, started developing some lifelong friends. Um, And it was it was great. uh, growing up in my house, um, I was really lucky to have, you know, just my mom and my dad uh, both be present. Um, I had two little brothers um, that have been great. They just, you know, become my my best friends. Um, but I think growing up in New York really gave me a passion um, for all things that are like art related. So whether that's anything that has to do with like music or like the visual arts, like graphic design, clothing, you know, things like that. I feel like being from where I am, it's, it's just kind of like woven into my DNA. Like they say, like you're a product of the things that you surround yourself with. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my, my superhero
0: origin story. So And, yeah. and you said you're a Mets and giants fan, Lord correct? Mercy, um, no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's not making this cut. Um, so, no.
1: uh, yeah, born in uh, Chelsea, Manhattan and lived in the Bronx for a while too. So, no, Yankees, um, Yankees are what runs through my mm. veins. Mm. Um, and, Agree uh, to disagree. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so Yankees and then honestly, Yankees and Giants is the normal combo. But for whatever reason, I have chosen the path of just suffering for a long time. And I decided to be a Jets fan from a very young age. I uh, couldn't tell you why. Um, we were really good in like 2010 and 11. And I'm just clinging on to that. For dear life it's so, a roller
0: coaster ride yeah. it's
1: it's more dips than than uh, <laughs> ascensions I guess but yeah so not Yankees uh Jets uh really big into hockey as well big Rangers fan and uh on the basketball court I'm a New York New York Knicks fan as well so those are my four core teams
0: there you go not not a bandwagon for no, sure so no, that's, you, yes that's that's good yeah and the, and the Jets have the Jets have as we're leading up to the NFL season, you, you'll have some cautious optimism to to uh, for the for the upcoming season potentially. Yeah. So we'll see yeah. what happens. Op-
1: optimism is is the word of the season for me. We we have some good young talent, but I don't know. I feel like we need some vet presence, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anything's possible in the NFL. So.
0: Well, I'm a very conflicted Browns fan. And yeah. so I'm used to saying uh, there's always next year. So yeah. uh, so that's, that's, that's kind of a life mantra. Yeah. But talk, uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship to Lincoln charter. Uh, you've been here for a good number of years. And um, so just tell us a little bit about that if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, so um, I graduated from <clears throat> school in 2014 and from UNC Charlotte and I I plugged into LCS right away. It's been the only job in education that I've had. Um, so I've been here since 2014, and this is my ninth year teaching. And I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again, I don't ever see myself like leaving for another school. Like it just wouldn't really make any sense. Um, I feel like my experiences here have been great. Um, I love that. Uh, I'm trusted to just do my job well um, and put the kids' interests at first. Um, yeah, it's just been really supportive. Um, I think it's also a big testament to the school that we have so many kids that have graduated from LCS, gone on to school and come back mm-hmm. and teach here and serve here. So I think that speaks a lot to just the ongoing culture that we've developed and like fed into over the years. So yeah, I've been an Eagle since 2014 and uh, it's it's been amazing. I really enjoyed it.
0: I- would say anybody that's ever interacted with you would say that we're better because of your influence and so i appreciate 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 you and appreciate all the time effort energy that you put into into your job and i know that you don't treat it just like a job Mm -hmm. um which is which is super obvious i mentioned at the beginning that you are our ESL teacher. Tell us a little bit about what an ESL teacher is and what you do sort of what a what a regular day looks like.
1: Yeah so uh, ESL stands for English as a second language um, so it's been really cool <clears throat> kind of seeing the program progress. When I when I first got here when I transferred to the Lincoln campus and the ESL program was kind of started it was it didn't really have a like a, a template or a structure. So I was trying to trust to kind of build it like from the ground up. So mm-hmm. it's been cool seeing it grow and develop into what it is. Uh, when I first started, I had only, I think I had eight or nine students. And now we're looking at around 30, 30 plus kids um, that are in the program receiving services. And it's just been awesome to see, uh, see them get the support that they hadn't had for a while. Not because we um, chose to not support them but just because we we didn't have the the program or the positions in place but um, I'm really happy that i've gotten that opportunity and i feel like it's very similar to um, like a supportive approach where i kind of meet the kids where they're at and help bridge those gaps between them being able to access the curriculum fairly and not letting their language barrier prohibit that mm-hmm. so Um, It's been really cool. I think my favorite part, other than getting to know the kids, the kids are amazing. They're really down to earth. They're, they're humble and they're so appreciative. I think developing the relationships with my families has been my favorite part. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to know that we can call each other and, you know, email each other whenever uh, we'd like. And, you know, we'll be there for each other. It, It just gives them a sense of comfort whenever they're walking through the halls or whenever they're coming in for a meeting, just to have that person that they know they can contact with, whatever worry they have, no matter how big or small, um, it makes me feel good that we've kind of developed that culture, so to speak.
0: We just did carpool duty a couple a couple minutes ago. Right. Uh, and you can see the, like, it's very evident, the the trust that our families have in you. And so a lot of hard work that goes into that. And again, appreciate that, um, your your approach to your, your job and your role within the community. Absolutely. Thank you. We've talked a little bit about what um like some of the things that you appreciate about lincoln charter touched on those real briefly but if you could give us um give us a little bit more perspective on why you've decided to stay here yeah. and what's what your um you know sort, sort of what that draw is to you
1: so speaking before we talked about how i've just always felt supported um to do my job to the best of my ability um I, i've never felt like i've been you know micromanager or anything like that you know trust is just the word that keeps popping in my head but also i like how everyone is so genuinely just interested like in our lives or each other's lives outside of work so whether it's you know staff members kids that you know have like football games or practices outside of it like sometimes we'll get a group of people to go and watch Um, as we said before coaching the middle school team here I've had several staff come with their kids just to watch and support and you know come out for you know Thursday night game as we um, you know try to get a win and um, it just feels like It feels like a family, but it's never felt forced. Like, it's not like, you know, when I started years ago during our orientation, they weren't like, we're a family, we're a family, we're a family. Like it was never forced. It just kind of, it's just the way it is like, it's just happened that way. Um, So I really love that. Um, I even make a joke. uh, We've got a staff member here that listed me as uh, her son's emergency contact and that was (laughs) it's funny but it was actually like it made me feel really uh special just that just that sense of trust and i think it just goes back to us having that family dynamic Mm -hmm. amongst our staff amongst our kids i feel like we've we've got it made which is nice
0: yeah i agree hopefully a an emergency contact will never have to be used (laughs) But, but that's true that's uh yeah that that's definitely that's definitely trust
1: yeah absolutely
0: So we are recording this episode at the end of August and uh, for context and which means that we're leading up to National Hispanic Heritage Month, which is celebrated for a month beginning on September 15th. Hispanic Heritage Month is intended to promote the history, culture and contributions of Hispanic Americans, specifically those whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean and Central and South America. Uh, those communities are all communities marked the achievements of Hispanic and Latino Americans with festivals and educational activities. And I say all that because as some of you may know, Mr. Paulino Alban is one of our amazing, proud Hispanic staff members. And so I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your, tell us a little bit about your heritage and how that helps to make you the person that we know and love.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. So, um, going back to the beginning, um, my mother is Guatemalan, and my birth dad is Dominican, and my stepdad, who helped raise me, is Ecuadorian. So I'm kind of like a special scenario. I'm like a melting pot of a lot of different backgrounds and uh, things like that. But it's really made me into who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, though, because all three lifestyles are super different, um, whether it's the pace that they live, the, the dialects that they speak, um, or the dialects that they use. Um, everything's just super, super different. So uh, growing up, I think I can attribute like my loudness uh, to like my Dominican side. Uh, I would say that's pretty (laughs) accurate. Uh, And then I would also say on the flip side, sometimes when I can kind of dial it back a little bit, I would say that's more of um, like the the Guatemalan side, just knowing my mom and my grandparents and how they were, they've always just been really relaxed. And then uh, I'm biased. I think, you know, Hispanic Heritage and families have some of the best food around, but uh, my dad, uh, who raised me, he's Ecuadorian, and and he really like he just brought the power of food into the house from a young age. So when he cooks, I mean, it's just it's incredible. I mean, it's a big family meal. We're at the table and we're just munching down on some of the most amazing things. Yeah, it's just been it's been cool being raised. You know, bouncing back and forth from house to house and visiting. You know, um, my birth dad's side of the family on weekends. um, Just being able to experience all different types of uh, culture has been cool and seeing it mold me into what I am today. Um, a blend of all three has been pretty neat to see.
0: Is there one of those cultures that uh, dominates the others um, uh, besides the Dominican loudness? Yeah, uh, not, not, to, not to be uh, stereotypical here, obviously. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, I
1: mean, it's, it's true. We are, we are really loud. I would say one thing in, I, I've noticed in the, the, the Guatemalan side of things, we are very, uh, we're very family knit. Um, mm-hmm. we we have a really tight just relationship. Um, so I know, I know parents would argue this anywhere, but just the, the bond that a, a mom has with her sons is really strong. I would go and take it a little bit further. I think the, the bond between, um, a Guatemalan family's, you know, mom and, and the sons is really, really strong. It's dominant. Um, and with that can come a lot of, uh, just like emotions and things like that you know growing up me and my mom sometimes we'd you know we butt heads and things like that but i think it was all at the root of the fact that we just loved each other a mm-hmm. lot and um so yeah we were always kind of going at it but the the older i've gotten the more i've realized like that those guatemalan roots have been really present in my life um because i i treat my friends and the rest of my family just you know i try to treat them the way that my family treated me growing up which was just that unconditional love, that family that was worth fighting for, you know, even if you didn't see eye to eye on everything at the end of the day, that's your family. And that's, who's going to, you know, stick with you to the end. So I would, I would say my, my Guatemalan roots for sure.
0: It's tough to underestimate a mother's influence, right? (laughs) That's right. It's, uh, it's strong. Yeah.
1: Very, very strong. I think I've seen that pretty common amongst all family dynamics, mm-hmm. um, just a mother and the son. And I would go and I say, you know, a dad and his daughter, I'm, I'm sure the same thing. We just didn't experience it cause I've got two brothers, but, um, but I've seen it from my cousin's sides and all that. It's, it's a really strong inseparable bond.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, you and you're the oldest of three. Yes, sir. Okay. So
1: yeah, so I'm the oldest. Um, I am 29. I will be 30 in December. <laughs> just pause for dramatic, uh, quarter life crisis. Um, but yeah, so I'll be 30. <laughs> My two little brothers are, uh, one is 25 years old. Um, and the other one is 19 years old. Um, the 25 year old is, uh, he's in grad school full time. He's working full time. Uh, a lot of respect for his hustle and his, his grind. He, he's really doing everything he can. Um, he actually may be going into education as well, which is really cool. And the younger brother is 19. He is at West Virginia university right now hopefully staying safe.
0: Good. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, if your uh, brother's looking for a job down in the South, you, uh, you know who to, you know to, who to uh, hit up.
1: I've been trying to get them to move down here for a <laughs> while. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what the future holds. They've, they've talked about it and they've entertained the idea. So hopefully soon.
0: Yep. From your perspective, uh, as we're heading towards uh, Hispanic heritage month, what term do you prefer hispanic mm-hmm. latino latinx i know that's a question that i think of and um, sometimes and maybe our listeners would benefit from for that. so what what is respectful to you and what is which of those terms do you prefer
1: yeah good question so uh, i'm just old school so i've always gone by hispanic growing up um we were just addressed as you know we were just hispanic hispanic americans um haven't gotten too in touch with the new Latin X, um, but I know even Latino being the masculine form, Latina being the feminine form, that's okay too, because um, we are Latin American. Um, but yeah, growing up it was just Hispanic, um, and it's funny. Uh, we you actually brought this up because when I was younger, um, I used to be bullied uh, a lot um, for for being Hispanic, but they would always if people had an issue with Hispanic students in my school, they would always refer to us as Mexican or Mexican American. Mm -hmm. And I think that part was always really confusing to me because one, I didn't really understand the purpose of bullying someone just because they were from like a different part. I mean, we're all, we're all here. We're all in America. We're all in the same school. We're trying to do the same thing. So that part kind of confused me a little bit. Um, But even the second them using Mexican as Uh, like a derogatory term was really odd to me because I just grown up and all of my friends were Mexican like growing up like whether we played ball together or we played soccer like it's just the way that it was Um, especially growing up in New York just a huge melting pot so that part always confused me Um, I just didn't understand why it was such a negative thing and it, it, it got pretty pretty rough at one point in high school it was a pretty dominant wave of just just insults amongst like our our community, but I think maybe because we were just confident in in who we were and when we thought of Hispanic or Mexican or anything like that, we just thought about, you know, our family traditions, things that we like to do for fun, the food that we ate, our personalities, and that's what we rested in. So we didn't really Mm -hmm. let it get to us as as much as it could have. But no, I've always been proud just to be Hispanic. Um, It's not a sense of I'm better than you, but it's just, we're from, we're all from different parts of the world and our, our roots come from you know, all these locations, like why not be proud of it? I mean, how boring would life be if we were all identical? Like there would just be no really purpose. Um, even Lincoln Charter School, um, it's been cool seeing just the prevalence of the Hispanic population and not just Hispanics, like kids from all around the globe, right? Mm-hmm. We've just been a lot more um, representative of them, which has been great. And they're hearing about the school, which is awesome. So we're doing our part on that end. And I don't know, I just, I feel like coming to work would be boring if, if, you know, we just didn't have those differences to celebrate. So I, I really enjoyed it. and It means, it means a lot to me.
0: Yeah, that's part of, I mean, I think difference is part of humanity and, and exactly. And uh, so I hate that you had that early, uh, some early, early negative experiences, but sounds like th- those uh, those folks that were calling you Mexican were just calling you an amazing human being um, because yeah, that's would, uh, that's that's always yeah. been my experience when I've been in Mexico. So. Right.
1: So I, I don't know anybody that's tried you know Mexican food or tried my dad's empanadas or anything that has been like wow this is terrible. So just <laughs> be open. I guess what I'm saying is just be open because you never know what's uh, what's on the other side and what you can you know what you can learn.
0: Sure. Yep. Yeah. Good, good words of advice. What are there any aspects of your traditions or culture that might be interesting to, to our listeners?
1: Yeah, this is really, this is really cool. So um, we take breakfast like really seriously in our house growing up. So I remember waking up for school, um, you know, five days a week and even weekends, I would just wake up to the smell of like the most amazing breakfast being cooked. And our breakfasts were The same every day, but you just never got sick of like eating them. So we would eat, um, we would have fried eggs. uh, We would have, which we just call huevos. um, And then we would have refried beans, which we just call frijoles or frijoles negros. And then we would have sweet plantains or sweet bananas, which are called platanos. And I don't know what it was about that amazing trio, that combination. But like, it was just something that I always look forward to growing up um just the the, the food and and i think what it represented was just we always knew that we could wake up in the mornings and we would all be sitting at the table and just talking and and getting ready for the day over some like amazing amazing food um so that's kind of like a a little bit of a tradition that's been big i'm sure a lot of people have heard this too but like rice is a massive staple like we could eat rice all day every day i'd even argue that if we had dinner and you know we didn't have rice it was just like what was wrong something mom was upset or something like that um but uh yeah we just we just loved that we just loved that food i mean it was a big part of you know my upbringing so i
0: really enjoyed it i love that you talked about food when i asked about tradition culture uh which is which is ultimately i mean you can as uh somebody that's had the um the good fortune to travel a little bit Mm -hmm. you can you can taste the culture when you are yeah. in a different country or right. in a different, in a different spot that has, uh, has dif- differences than burgers and fries or, you know, standard fare. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a good way to wake up in the morning that's uh, right. to that smell. So yeah. any other traditions or, um, cultural, culturally significant things that you'd like to mention?
1: Yeah. So, um, as I said before, like, we're a very family first. Um, that's kind of our, our big dynamic um, in our household. And I would even take it further and say it was pretty common for the for the dad. Um, so I know my dad growing up was the, the main provider. Mm-hmm. Um, he would go to work. He would lo- work really long hours. Just fun fact, my dad has worked the same job since he was 18 years old. And he, he'll be retiring soon, which is great. But mm-hmm. that just shows, like, his, <laughs> uh, I guess, his commitment you know, once he finds something to accompany and he's just always been focused on providing for us. So all I've ever seen is just a hardworking, you know, guy that's leaving the house, um, which is something I try to pride myself on with my, you know, my marriage and my family as it, as it grows. Uh, I just want to be that guy. There's other ways to obviously provide other than finances, but I think other than finances, my dad was always the the one that, you know, you could have a really serious conversation with. You could have If you had questions about life or you needed some advice that you may be, you know, a little more hesitant to go to mom for, like dad was always there. So I think dad being like the staple of that house, um, as far as providing was really big. And then my mom played just as, you know, an equal part um, in running, you know, three kids every morning to, to school and, you know, picking us up and making sure that we were staying on top of our schoolwork and that we were getting a baseball practice or soccer or lacrosse practice, um, getting those, you know, those big, uh, those poster boards for your fifth grade science projects, mm-hmm. like all of these things. And, um, she was just, she was there. And I feel like growing up, you know, we, we didn't appreciate her as much as we should have I've just kind of seeing what she did, but wow. She was really like the, I mean, if she, if my dad was the provider, I mean, she was the backbone, like she kept everything together, made everything function smoothly. And the older, the older you get, the more you realize like how much, you know, they really did for you.
0: Sounds like the theme of this, uh, this episode could be family. Um, It's definitely, um, definitely a a common thread. Right. Absolutely. It's great. Is there, um, are there any Hispanic, role models that uh the role model or two that you'd like to highlight
1: yeah for sure so baseball has always been a big part of my life um
0: the mets right oh my gosh (laughs) cut um (laughs) no
1: definitely the the bronze bombers the new york yankees the uh 27 time world champions you, I've been,
0: you are wearing pinstripes today I so am, that's, that's uh you can't see that on on <laughs> the uh, audio recording
1: no i'm proud to be a yankee fan i've been saying 27 championships for a very long time now
0: um <laughs> this year we we'll look good so we'll see what
1: happens but um yeah so going back growing up watching the yankees there was just one player that um i always admired and uh, that was Mariano Rivera and he I mean he goes down as debatably the greatest closer like in the history of the MLB but one thing that blew me away about him was just his work ethic and him taking you know unfortunate circumstances and kind of weaving them into something that ended up being great it just made mm-hmm. him want to work harder so uh, he grew up in uh, Panama and um I remember watching a documentary on ESPN years ago and it kind of showed how he started out and he was they they grew up in a rough neighborhood. Um, he didn't really have much. Didn't have money. I mean, they would struggle just to eat every day, and he used to make baseballs. Like him and his friends used to make baseballs out of just like tape. Like they would just take wads of tape and put a little bit of dirt and mud and solidify them, and then it was like, hey, you've got a baseball. And then they would use old milk cartons as gloves. Now. I don't know how they did that, but they, from what it looked like, they were kind of cutting them and folding them in a way where it was almost like a clamp, mm-hmm. but he did that until he was like in his teens. Um, and until he came over um, and started playing in more like semi-professional leagues, but he's just such a big motivation for me. Cause he's the definition of don't let what you're born into, or don't let your circumstances define your outcomes. Like I truly believe like if you, Regardless of where you're from, but that's you know, just if you work hard and the kids are you have that mindset of how can I grow every day and how can uh, I get better. So I, was talking I feel like, like you can really accomplish, accomplish day. And so yeah, that. And it's not saying that it's not harder for some or people going than going others, out. absolutely. 20%. Not. I mean, he grew up of students at on the Lincoln to, campus, you know, mm-hmm. um, being Hispanic. Um, so that's. Literally, you know, of make of all these supplies and mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. awesome gloves, and now, I've, I've seen, seen the numbers go up a lot too. And you don't have to work from an early age R, on but he, serving some of those kids. You, you know, he saw this walking around his passion, and seeing the you know he the was gifted with it, and when he was uh, fun like. But it's been what? cool because he, I mean, we are kind of you know, see what I Should want to be a reflection of their community, right? So if you're serving a community that is just you know perseverance and hard work, a nice blend over a lot of people, all different types of kids from different backgrounds. You ideally learn your school to represent that because it's. It's your community. Um, it's, it's your voice. So uh, it's been really great just seeing the population grow. And mm-hmm. I think it's only going to continue to
0: grow and inspirational for sure.
1: I think we've all and, uh, learned, especially in, in elementary where I've been heavily involved. We've seen a lot of the kids from a young age be genuinely just more interested in aspects of other students cultures. So when I when I pull kids and I'm working with Hispanic students or even when I go in and speak in some classrooms, you know, and kids are asking me, you know, why do you work with so-and-so? Why can't I work with you? And I'm like, well, you know, they speak more than one language at home. And, you know, then the kids are prone to ask like, oh, well, what do they speak? Like, so we just get to have, kids are curious, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you don't have to teach them to be curious. They just want to know everything. So um, it's been cool getting into these cool, you know, some conversations that are pretty Yeah, they could be surface level with younger kids, or you know, really deep with some of the older middle school and high school kids. But they're just curious because, you know, up until a few years ago, they may not have noticed the large Hispanic or just diverse population, Mm -hmm. uh, as it be. But now it's it's pretty hard to walk through the hallways and you know, turn an eye to it. Like it's just who we are. It's our makeup. Yep. So it's been really nice to see.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm not familiar with the the numbers for this current or the the school year that we've just started um but i think that we're we're one of the higher percentages of hispanic students in the in the area wow Um, which is which is cool to see see that representation like you mentioned can you tell us a little bit about your so this is a as as uh everybody that has listened to any of the uh previous episodes we talk um about the college experiences of our guests. Um, And we are a college prep school, right? So if you could share a little bit about your your college experience and what you learned, um, and how that how that was for you. Yeah, so
1: growing up in New York, uh, when I was 17, I left New York for North Carolina. And the people have asked me to this day, why North Carolina? And honestly, I, it's hard for me to even explain. I just felt like I've always been attracted to the south like i don't know if it was just the fact that you had sports all year round you know never got like insanely cold and and things like that but i just had this drive for the south um like this little nudge throughout high school so me being the personality that i am i like to just i like change i like kind of randomness and and things like that so i talked to my parents and i was like hey i'm thinking about going to charlotte and you know my mom of course wanted me to stay because of that that tight bond but Mm -hmm. I was just like, mom, you gotta let me fly. And, uh, (laughs) and that's why I became an Eagle. No, I'm just kidding. But like, but basically, uh, she just, um, we, we had some talks and we, we decided to be a good decision. So I just left and I started, you know, going to UC Charlotte in 2010. And for those four years, I felt like I was really forced to grow up a little quicker than a lot of other people. Um, so I was on my own, I was living by myself. Um, I was, you know, funding my my school, I was paying for my food, you know, I was kind of getting myself around and doing everything, but I feel like college was really beneficial in that aspect, like it helped me grow into the man that I am today. Academics were great at Charlotte, I feel like the program really, you know, prepared me for Um, what teaching looked like to an extent. But honestly, like me just jumping out on a a leap of faith and and taking that risk really helped me become who I am, you know, today. So yeah, UNC Charlotte was great for four years. We absolutely, you know, loved it. And we made some great friends. And, you know, I got to meet my wife, girlfriend at the time, got to meet my wife there. So that worked out um, really, really well. And yeah, I'll always be an honor at heart. So
0: Wanted to come to the South because it's great, right? This is the more, the more I've uh, been here,
1: the more, yeah, that that had to have been like, it's just so much. And I've had people ask me, you know, are you ever going to come back to New York after a few years? And I'm like, why would I go back to New York? You know, like it's other than it just being insanely expensive. Like I just, I've, you know, I've built a life down here. I love it. And I want to just, you know, hopefully raise a family like in Mm -hmm. this area. So it's a good spot.
0: It's definitely a different, uh, the South is a different pace too, right? It's so it's like the, the, the pace of life is just sort of polar opposites in some ways. Um, and this is, um, obviously coming from somebody that has been to New York a couple of times, uh, didn't grow up there like you did, but there's a, there's a relaxing feel to the South in some ways, depending on where you are. And at UNCC, you majored in? Yeah,
1: so I had the privilege of uh, majoring in uh, a dual licensure program. So I was one of the first cohorts to go through the the academic uh, course load. But basically what they did was they took your elementary education degree and they took your special education degree elementary up to the sixth grade and then special education up to the 12th grade. And what they did was they took all the core classes from those majors and kind of combined them into one. So when I graduated, I was able to graduate with both licenses in elementary and in special education. So that Mm -hmm. was really good just coming out and, you know, obviously being able to find a job, but I feel like it kind of let me um, work with all different types of students, but also maybe see things in classrooms that teachers may not have been able to necessarily pull out, you know, not because it's something that they weren't doing, but maybe they just weren't aware of, you know, some signs and things like that. So I think, um, I think having those two, those two licenses has really helped me over the last few years here at LCS. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's uh from what I understand, real competitive program, and definitely a, a different way to think about teacher licensure and some of the hoops that educators need to need to go through to to have that validity and that that certainty from a licensure perspective. But uh, we've always had great experiences with folks like you that have come through that program. So any words of wisdom for parents or you know our, our own students that are migrating towards college are there, would you recommend involvement in different organizations or experiences that you've had in the past or any just general words of wisdom that you might have for, uh, as folks look towards college?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's okay. We we've had this kind of stigma in the United States specifically that you have to know what you want to do as soon as you get out of high school. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just, I don't like that. I think that as long as you are pursuing something or doing something to benefit, you know, you, your future, and your time, once you get out of school, I think you're on the right track. Obviously, being a college prep school, we want to give our kids all of the tools uh, to be equipped if they choose, you know, if they choose that that path, that outlet. But we're also doing our best to equip kids, you know, if they want to graduate from high school and go into the workforce, right? There's a lot of things that we teach here that can be used for both the college or the university system, as well as the, work, the workforce. So whether that's building, like, like work ethic, accountability, responsibility, preparedness, like all of these things in our our mission statement, they can all be applied to every single facet of life after high school. Mm -hmm. So my biggest advice would be, you know, just more of an encouragement. If you don't know what you want to do, that is okay. Don't let anybody, you know, pressure you into making a decision to go or, you know, if it's not financially feasible, you know, taking out a a massive loan just to kind of be unsure, you know, or waste time. So just take your time, and as long as you're working towards something, um, that's really all you know. We would we would want from y'all. Um, so I would say that, and then just also being open to being open to change. Um, just like I said, you don't need to know what you want to do when you get out. You may enroll in you know the school system and in, in the university system or at a, at a trade school and you may change your mind and that that's okay. Kids that go into college and the workforce after high school, we've got to keep in mind that some of them are still like 18. Some, I mean, I graduated high school at 17 and Uh I left the state. So we're still kids, you know, 18, they say you're an adult. You're not an adult. Like you, I had no idea what I was (laughs) doing at 18. Um, So just going through that, like, it's okay to not always know what's going on.
0: That's, that's, that's good advice. Some people, uh, particularly, somebody from my generation would still call you a kid. Um but, uh, <laughs> at twenty-nine, you know, you're yeah. you're getting ready to, to yeah. turn the corner. But um yeah. I so a... <laughs>
1: yeah, I feel like I feel like LCS has seen me grow up, which has been cool. I've been here since yeah. I was hundred percent 21. Um, yeah. but I don't think you're I don't think someone's fully in education and not holding on to those that little bit of kid in them.
0: Absolutely. Um
1: so and I think we've all got that inside of us and that's what helps us really like bond and mesh with our, with our kids. I mean, even these high school kids that I've been working with, you know, I've got a few years on them, but I I understand like what they're going through and things that they will go through and, I can use my experiences to help them, then that's that's great but yeah we we've, we've all got I think we're all here because we've got a little bit of kid inside of us.
0: Yeah sure. that's that is a great way to put it and I was was part of fortunate to be part of your initial interview I think and your yes. your um yes uh, <laughs> several years ago um and you're obviously young but also very mature and and you could tell um even I could tell with my limited brain capacity could tell that you were <laughs> that you had persevered and that you were uh, ready to take the world by the horns. Yeah. So glad that you're doing it here. I
1: appreciate that. That was uh that was pre, that was pre beard, Paulino.
0: That's, that's right.
1: That was crazy. Yeah. I remember uh,
0: pre beard. That's a, that's, that's a, a, that's an era in time. Yes. Yeah. That's,
1: that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That was, I was such a, yeah, that was a great day. We, yeah. we don't have to go into detail, but that was yeah. just such a, that was such a great day. It was a good, it was yeah. a good
0: uh, turning point for, for uh, Lincoln Charter and hopefully for you too. Absolutely, so, definitely was. Is there, is there anyone that you wanna give a shout out to? Uh, could be a mentor, could be a family member, could be an- anybody that you think deserves a Paulino shout out. Oh,
1: man. Um... <laughs> And stuff, I feel like there's been a lot of people that have kind of helped me to where I've been able to get to today. I, I don't want to take the the cliche route, but honestly, like my family, my mom, and my dad just kind of seeing, you know, where they've brought me, you know, from and to like, I, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I mean, if it wasn't for them and the way that they raised me, you know, I wouldn't be here if they didn't let go and let me go to, you know, Charlotte when I was 17 years old. I think they raised me with a lot of uh, the, the right way to think about things. Um, and how to just treat everyone equally and fairly, no matter your background or where you're from. Um, they just kind of taught me to see the good in everybody. And, you know, my mom to this day um, has, has always told me everything happens for a reason. And I've clung to that since I was a kid. So I would just, I would have to shout out my mom and my dad and my brothers, uh, my brothers being my best friends and, you know, seeing them grow up into the men that, you know, they're becoming, they're molding into has been awesome.
0: I'm, I'm imagining that they would appreciate that very much. Is there anything that you've read recently, book, article, or anything that you would recommend?
1: Yeah, so there's this website um, called Fatherly, and I'll obviously share this because it's public knowledge. But um, we did find out a while ago that our family is growing, and that I'm going to be a father. Congratulations, um, thank sir! You. It's you. Uh, Exciting been, stuff, right there. I know it's been crazy. Just the whole process has been amazing. Like I'm over the moon. My wife and I are really excited. Um, maybe this is part of becoming a dad, or just uh, becoming 30 years old but basically <laughs> like i've just been looking at all of these like magazines and like these father reads online trying to you know be I'm, I'm sure being a parent and you could speak to this as well you can read all the books and get all the advice but you're really you're figuring it out for yourself yep once you get thrown into it so there was this article on this website it was fatherly.com and it was called the science of dad and when i read the science of dad, i was kind of like thrown for a loop, Uh, but then the more I looked into it, it was basically, it took a scientific approach on just statistics um, and how the, the trajectory of a family really changes based on uh, whether or not there's a father present. So me growing up and just seeing like, you know, my my, my stepdad present uh, my, my whole life, raising me like I was his own and uh, adopting me. And, and even my last name is hyphenated to represent him. I can't imagine what my life would look like if he wasn't there. And and I think reading this article, like it showed the statistics of sons and and daughters going through really rough patches in life and how those percentages were just dramatically lowered if there was just a dad present, right? You even look, you know, if I, you know, if I'm blessed with, with a daughter, that, that father-daughter bond is just so important and like crucial. And hopefully my daughter could be saved from a lot of headaches and, you know, and and just tough things uh, if I'm just there and present. So that article really spoke, it spoke volumes to me on, on just what it meant to be a good father. Um, yeah that article spoke a lot to me and
0: it's amazing how you're um with exciting news like that your reading material uh and the reading selections might change a little bit i know it's i just pretty, pretty pull
1: cool. up espn and I'm <laughs> and i'm still doing it i'm still doing it but yeah i just i think your the desires of your heart kind of change a little bit once you you know receive some news like that so yep. i'm excited to learn more
0: yeah excited for you and your family for sure Appreciate and uh congrats yeah, thank you you had mentioned earlier at the beginning that you have a number of other passions that are not education. Is there anything that you'd like to promote from your own personal, uh, the non-Lincoln Charter side of uh... right?
1: Yeah, I definitely do. So, like I said, creative, just the arts has always been something that's been big uh, in my life. I think growing up in New York, that's kind of... It kind of made me who I was on that side. But for those of you who don't know, I make music as well. Um, so I make primarily hip hop, rap, and pop music a little bit. I go under the name Next Mike, so it's spelled N X T M I K E. So you can find me on all like platforms and things like that. It's been cool. A lot of the students have kind of found out, and parents so. Sometimes in car line they'll like pull up and the music is playing like with the windows down. And I'm like, wow, like, is this what fame feels like? like this, is, <laughs> this is just great. Like, I just want to be, I want to keep that in my little like bubble. So that's been really cool. My wife and I also shoot uh, photography pretty extensively. My wife is really good at it. She does weddings and all that, but I love shooting and just capturing like clothing brands and helping with like the branding side of things. I also do graphic design. Um, I've got a clothing line that I've been running for about five years now. And, um, I print everything at home. I press everything at home. I ship everything from the house. So that's been a big passion of mine. And those are, those are kind of the creative.
0: What's the name, name of your clothing line in case anybody wants to grab
1: something? Absolutely. So the name of the clothing line is freshman year. Uh, so the website is www.freshmanyear.co. Uh, Co as an as a company, um, we specialize in just making streetwear that's meant to just spark conversations uh, and and get people uh, just thinking and and going. And uh, it's been it's been great, but seeing that grow has been really cool, um, and just seeing even. Seeing, you know, like staff members and kids pull up to like shops and concerts. And it's pretty cool when you're on stage performing and you look into the crowd and you see like an eight year old kid that like two days ago you were working with on like reading and now they're watching you like lose your mind on stage. Um, <laughs> it just, it adds, it adds a, a sense of like trust. And and I, I love when kids can see you outside of the four walls of the school. Mm-hmm. It, it lets you just, you know, bond with them even closer. Yep, It's really cool.
0: So a Renaissance man of sorts, uh, sir. Like it's, so. uh, yeah, that's like so. that's a lot, but super cool. And for those of our listeners that have tuned into any of the any of the episodes, you've heard next, Mike, as our uh, as our uh, featured music. So I we know. appreciate appreciate your involvement with that, and yeah. definitely a lot of interesting things going on in the Paulino universe for sure. It.
1: Enjoying
0: it. That's good. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. So. Mr. Paulino Albin, I want to thank you for your time, sir. Yeah. Pleasure to get to know you a little bit. I did learn some things, even though I feel like I've known you for for years and years. And um, appreciate you spending the time. I want to thank you for your hard work, dedication to Lincoln Charter. You help to make us better every day during the time that you've been here. And so I want to say thank you for you being you and helping impact our students and staff and our entire community.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. Bringing me on and just for being able to talk for a bit and thank you again for everything you've done for the school. And I think this, I think this, what you're doing here is really, really awesome. Thank you for always supporting us and, you know, for making it feel like a big family. It's rare, but it's, I'm glad that we're here experiencing it.
0: You got it. And I won't lie. My mouth was watering the entire time we're talking about breakfast. So, yeah. uh, so we may need to share breakfast yeah. here sometime soon. So sure. I love that. appreciate your time, sir. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off. I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers for taking the time to listen to The Edge of the Airy. Like everything at Lincoln Charter, it takes a great team to make this podcast happen. The Edge of the Airy is produced by Jonathan Bryant and Taylor Helms, and Miss Helms is also our senior editor. Graphics and artwork are by Melissa Lasarski, and our music is brought to you by Next Mike, who you may also know as Michael Paulino Albin. Our team uses the free Anchor app to create each episode, which is found at anchor.fm. You can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Feel free to rate or review the podcast. It may help others to discover this content. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off until next time.